You guys are listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 334 with Mickey Gardner. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Mickey on the show today. Today's show is going to be a little bit different. I realize that it's not going to be for everyone because not everyone is going through a divorce or is divorced. But when they reached out to me to talk about having Mickey on the show and to talk about this topic, I thought about all the women that could really benefit from this, that might be struggling with the idea of co-parenting or are divorced and co-parenting. And it's just a challenge. So this episode is for you. If you know someone who's going through a divorce, is divorced, and you think this would be a great episode, please share that with them. Um, we're just going to talk about you know, what it's like, the steps that you could take uh, to be responsible for your 50% of co-parenting or whatever percentage um, that you are responsible for, and kind of like how to respond instead of react to situations because I think it's very easy to just react all the time when either triggered or frustrated. And also, you know, to talk about what it looks like to have, you know, a new person in the picture, um, you know, bringing people into um, your kids' lives and what Mickey suggests and, you know, what she coaches her clients on um, as well as her personal experience. So, I hope this episode leaves you feeling a little bit more at peace and giving you some tangible ways of handling co-parenting a little bit easier. All right, let's go to the show. Mickey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you, Amber. I'm so excited to be here. Okay. So Mickey, I like asking icebreakers to start off the show and I just love uh, leaving my listeners, you know, a little bit more inspired than when they came on and listened. Um, So what is one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self? I love this question. Um, I was thinking about that and I think it applies. What I want to tell myself applies to almost every version of me because every year, every iteration, every season of life is a new one but really to trust yourself. I think had I known that I could deeply trust myself, um, Mm -hmm. even when I was younger, that would have been so helpful. Mm. Um, I think so many of the times in life I spent so much energy and effort and resources to look outside of myself instead of really just learning to look inward and trust where I am and who I am. And it would have been a game changer and it's what I'm working on currently. So that's probably why it was relevant when you asked that. But I think self-trust is really where it's all at. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I've had people say that in recently. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the ages of where we are at in our lives that we really come to realize that we do have the answers. And, you know, when mm-hmm. you're younger, you really do seek outside um, mm-hmm. affirmation and all that stuff. So this is why I like asking that question because sometimes you see there's a pattern. And so I think that's really good for women to see like, Oh, okay. Enough people have kind of answered similar. Um, and so maybe I need to pay attention to that. And then sometimes things are very different, which I think is interesting as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's perfect. Um, okay. So Mickey, why don't you tell us your whole name and where you live and how many kids you have? 
So my name is Mickey Gardner. I live outside Detroit in Michigan, and I am a mom to my son who next week, I cannot believe it, is going to be 13 years old. Mm. I also have two bonus boys, uh, one who is going to be 13 and then nine. And I also have a partner and a dog. So all are male. And so my mother says I live in testosterone camp. Yeah, you need a girl dog. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Did you say you, so your bonus son is going to be 13 as well? Yeah. So we have wow. two that are only, uh, about two months apart in age. Wow. Okay. So two 13 year old boys coming down the pipeline. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and between <laughs> me and my late forties with perimenopause, yeah. uh-huh. it's like, there's a lot of hormone changes in this house. <laughs> so, I feel you. So I have almost a 12 year old and almost nine year old. And so I'm like, Oh, these are going to be a fun next 10 years. I'm like, okay, just hang on for the ride. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh goodness. So yeah, I hear you. Um, okay. So Mickey, how about you share with us how you got to where you are today and then we'll jump into the interview. Okay. That sounds great. Thanks. So I am a certified life and conscious parenting coach. I call myself a conscious co-parenting coach because I really focus on helping, um, women, navigate co-parenting after divorce. I do have a podcast and, um, how did I get to all of this? Well, it was really, you know, my life experience. So I ended up divorced. I had never intended that that would be my path. I don't think anyone gets married, obviously intending to get divorced, but I had literally checked all of the boxes. I was running my own successful small business. I had a beautiful little toddler. I had what I thought was the marriage you were supposed to have, uh, a house, all the things. And what seemed in the moment felt like an instant, everything came crashing down when I realized that my marriage wasn't what I thought it was. And, you know, looking back, I now know that it was a much slower, uh, a slower transition, but Mm -hmm. it felt like in an instant. Mm. And so I really had to learn how to navigate, um, the end of my marriage, uh, what divorce was going to look like, what moving forward after divorce was going to look like. And I, like so many women, and this was eight years ago, so there was a lot less information out there, but it was extraordinarily lonely. And it was filled, it was a time in my life that was filled with immense shame. Um, I didn't come, I don't come from a family of divorce. Um, My parents, we just celebrated their 53rd wedding anniversary. You know, it just wasn't something you did. Right. And so I really, being the, perfectionist person that I was, you know, I'm now a recovering perfectionist, but you know, at the time I really tried to muscle my way through it, just like I had muscled my way through everything, really looking outside, trying to figure it out and always keeping that facade of looking the part, you know, being, having everything together. And I found that after divorce, I couldn't do that any longer. Mm. And So what I do now is really, I love the job that I do now because I am a coach and mentor for women as they're learning how to navigate co-parenting. And I really walk the journey with them as they learn the emotional ups and downs, uh, teaching them the tools and the skills to stop the patterns that keep them stuck and to learn how to move through the difficulties and the complexities of it so that they can create a life of intention and joy and ease because it is possible and they don't have to do it alone. And that's what I didn't know back then. 
um, I thought I was all alone and that just prolonged my journey and my suffering. And so I'm really grateful that I can do what I do now to really be, be a part of their journey to help them move through it. Hopefully with a lot less bumps and scrapes and bruises like I had. Yeah, I think that's really great. And I do feel like a lot of people can relate to your story that they didn't feel like they were ever going to get divorced and then they don't come from, you know, families of divorce. And so I can see how you might have shame with that or feel like, what did I do wrong? Or why can't I figure it out? I didn't even, you know, grow up in that setting and stuff like that. Um, so I guess, you know, if people are listening to this right now and they find themselves heading in that direction in a similar, you know, boat as you did at that time, do you have any suggestions or advice that you would want to give them that they may be feeling, um, right now, just feeling like they failed. Um, they're, I think one thing too, that stands out, especially for moms is like, they're ruining their kids' lives and Mm -hmm. they really struggle with that. Um, so before we even jump into the, you know, conscious parenting component of it, is there anything that you would want to tell them just about being a mom and a woman, um, having to go down this path, a path that they never thought they would go down? Absolutely. I think, you know, like you said, nobody, nobody intends for this to happen. And I think so much of the time we're resisting it and we don't want to talk about what might be going on. I know for me, I had a little voice inside of me that was definitely sending up signals that things were not quite what I thought they were, but I ignored it. I ignored the voice. I ignored the signs because I didn't want to, I didn't want it to be true and I didn't want to deal with it. And again, sort of that shame and, um, just not knowing what other people would think, Mm. uh, really sort of kept me stuck for a really long time. And I think I, that's what I see with people, um, as they're even considering or even admitting that Mm. things aren't, aren't what they want in their marriage. I mean, we are surrounded by social media and media and everything that's sort of saying, you know, you should have this perfect life. Everyone else has this perfect life. So then when you have something that isn't that way, right. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes, you know, people are lonelier now than we ever have been. And so when we don't have really great and true connections where we can be vulnerable and talk about what's going on, it becomes sort of a slippery slope because we don't talk about it more and more. We hide it more and more. We sort of put that aside. So I think the one thing I want to say is whatever is going on for you, it, it matters and it deserves to be talked about. It deserves to be discussed, whether that's with your partner, whether that's with a therapist, whether that's with a friend, but so often as women, we just think that we should, you know, take care of everyone else. I've got to keep it together for the kids, Mm. but taking care of yourself is truly putting yourself first, meaning that you are taking care of yourself so that you can be there for everyone else. It's like that adage that you have to put your oxygen mask on first in the airplane. Yeah. Why? So that you're not unconscious and passed out right? Because you're of no help to anyone then. So we really have to be willing to be honest with ourselves. And I think this is where that self-trust comes in, that we often know what we need, what we want, but are we willing to listen to ourselves? And so 
I think the first thing to say would be just be willing to listen to yourself. Just because you admit that something isn't right or how you want it in your marriage doesn't mean it's going to be an awful divorce. There are so many opportunities along the way for change and for growth and for healing, but we have to be willing to start the conversation and start being honest with ourselves. I think that's so good. I think the one other question I have is, uh, before we go into it more, uh, you know, women, especially if they don't work outside of the home and you know how you were saying a lot of times, you know, you, you know what you need to do, but you, you know, you might be kind of in denial or you're just kind of like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You have any thoughts for the women that don't work outside of the house and they're just wondering, how am I going to even do this? Like, I know you said you had a, um, a business. So maybe you were in a different situation. Um, but I guess working with parents, um, through your coaching business, do you have any advice for women that feel like they could be stuck that they're like, they, Mm -hmm. they know the direction, but they're kind of like, I don't know if I can even do this, you know, and, and how scary that could be. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, one of the things that we learn in, in sort of relationship training is, Divorce should actually never be taken off the table, right? Because if it's taken off the table, it becomes this, it sort of ties your hands together. So the reason I bring that up is if you are in a marriage and maybe, you know, he's the breadwinner and you're not, and, but you're not satisfied within the relationship. I think that there's a couple things that you can do. And one of them is to really start to plan out many options for yourself. So If you are at home, there are so many opportunities now to work from home, to have a side business. There are so many, you know, moms of really young kiddos who are running successful businesses from their homes. Um, It could be consulting work. It could be many things that you could be doing. But I would say start with one avenue, not to get all the way to divorce, but to start to do things that are aligned with who you want to be and how you want to live. Right. So I know for so many women feeling liberated, feeling free, having security, those are all really important things. And so learning how to do those for yourself, even in the smallest ways, starts to build confidence over time so that you can make bigger and bigger decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really great. Yeah. Because I do feel like a lot of people, um, may not feel that way. So, um, you know, I think too, just seeing your success and, um, what you were able to do, um, during this, I think it gives women hope and encouragement that, you know, if someone can do it, then they can do it as well. So, um, yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that since we were kind of talking about, um, your story and if someone kind of just needed to hear that encouragement, But as we go into then now the co-parenting side of things, I would love for you to talk about uh, what you have experienced uh, maybe with yourself, but definitely as a coach. um, And what does it really, what does it come down to when you see people who are co-parenting so well versus the others that it, it's a nightmare. Like you see it in your, and the thing is too, like, I feel like people it's like going into a divorce. You're not thinking I'm getting married to go and get divorced. I don't necessarily think people are trying to go into co-parenting to make it a nightmare, but for whatever reason, it turns into a nightmare. And Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, like what advice do you have? Like, what is it that creates 
a really seamless co-parenting, you know, relationship? So I think ideal best case scenario, it's two people who have done their own work, Mm. right? That have taken care of themselves, healed themselves and are able to come to it as an us, right? There's a you, a me and an us in every relationship. And, you know, post-divorce, you're still in a relationship. So it's a new one, right? And it's almost like you have to separate the man that you were married to or woman from the person that you're co-parenting with now. Right. And we have to sort of grieve and mourn the loss of that individual and that relationship, and then move into the new relationship. Oftentimes there's a lot of conflict going on, right? People don't get divorced for amazing, positive reasons, right? (laughs) There's usually trauma, betrayal, infidelity, something going on that has, or just sheer unhappiness or have grown apart, right? right, To Mm -hmm. a point that it's just not working, right? Whatever it is, you have to work and heal that part in order to move forward. And that can be done at the same time. But I'd say best case scenario, really, really good co-parenting is based on communication and love, respect, and kindness. Mm. And so when we hold those as the pillars. And when both people do, you can co-parent really, really well. But I think oftentimes people think that there's either, you know, the screaming, yelling, not even talking kind of conflict, or there's, we're all dressed in the same outfit, having all our holidays together, you know, super, (laughs) super happy. Those are the two versions, but there's so much in between. And that's one thing that I remember very distinctly when I did make the decision to finally, um, ask for a divorce. I told him we sat down, I make coffee. We sat down and I said, let's go ahead and call this while we still have love for one another, Mm. because I don't know how we're going to do it. And Mm. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that we're going to be a family, um, no matter what. And so I want to do this in a way where we can remain a family as best we can. And luckily he was on board. That does not mean that it was without conflict or without ups and downs, but I had no idea what it would look like. I had mm. no example that I was working towards. None of that. There was no conscious uncoupling from Gwyneth Paltrow. There was nothing, right? <laughs> but I knew, again, in my heart, and that's why I think self-trust, everything comes back to that, because I always knew that there was a way to do this, even though I didn't know the steps to get there, yeah. but I was willing to try. And I'm grateful I had someone who was willing Um, a lot of my clients don't have that, right? Right. But that doesn't mean that they can't co-parent well. And that's what I work with them on. Mm. Even when you don't have the other co-parents permission or participation, you're still able to do that. Um, So I think it's just really important that you take care of you Mm -hmm. and you are working to heal and you're working to learn the tools and skills because no one is a perfect parent, right? right? Yeah. Um, And none of us know how to parent, frankly, you Mm. either typically do exactly what you saw from your childhood Mm -hmm. or the exact opposite, right? But it's like either end of that pendulum probably Mm -hmm. isn't where you want to be. And so we have to do the work and gain the skills to be able to create something that fits us. And that's where, for me, conscious parenting really came in 
And then the more that I learned and used that, I realized this is so important for co-parents because I define co-parenting as parenting with anyone you don't agree with a hundred percent of the time. Mm. So, well, yeah. So I'll, something I'll, came, yeah. So something came to my mind when you were saying this about, you know, people working on themselves. So if you had the perfect situation, the most ideal two people would be working on themselves coming together. Of course you deal with ups and downs just like you would in a marriage. Um, because obviously they're, it's not perfect. And so with that said though, if one person is really doing the work and you're dealing with somebody who is not doing the work and really kind of just pushing, you know, kind of like the limits, like on what Mm -hmm. you would want for your child and then going back and forth with all of that kind of stuff. How do you deal with that? Even if you're working on yourself, you know, but then you're seeing the other person, uh, just kind of be like, Oh, well, uh, how do you deal with that without kind of losing your mind? Yeah. So, um, it's a great question. And that's where the pillars of conscious parenting and, I have a masterclass that's sort of short, simple, and mm. goes really into, into a like quick overview of what it is. But the way I define conscious parenting or conscious co-parenting, it means that you are simply aware of what you are doing and mm. why are you, why you are doing it, even if that awareness comes later. Mm. And why this is so important is because so often what I see is people believe that their co-parenting partner mm-hmm. is so difficult right? Like you just described that they have no choice, but to either fight or give in Mm. or, you know, maybe they're, they don't know what to do. Maybe they, they're trying to take the high road all the time, Mm. but they just end up really exhausted and feeling spent. And they Mm. end up, you know, maybe from being attacked or blamed or misunderstood, or they're constantly looking and talking to everybody else, right? Their family, their friends, the experts to find that right answer. What all of these examples lead to are what I call living in a reactive state. Mm. Oftentimes we think of reactivity like those big emotions, right? The yelling, the screaming, the throwing the things. Right. But reactivity is also giving in to avoid a fight. Mm. It's saying yes when we mean no. Right. It looks like having loose or no boundaries because we don't want to deal with things and we're just reacting. So the, what I teach my clients and what conscious co-parenting is all about is really learning how to become present for yourself so that you can be present for your children. And so how do we not react or it's about learning how to become responsive and responsive taking responsibility, mm-hmm. even when the other co-parent isn't showing up the way sure. you want, or even when your other parent, right. In your same house, yeah. oftentimes, right. even when you're married, you guys right. don't get along. I like to remind my clients, if you guys are arguing about this as co-parents, it's not the divorce's fault. You were going to argue about mm-hmm. it being married too, sure. right? Yeah. It's just a different difference of values. Right. So But when we are reactive, we're not, we're literally like a pinball living in a pinball machine where we're just trying to avoid the flashy paddles and all the lights Mm -hmm. and everything flying at us. Yeah. What we want to do is become grounded to become what I, and take responsibility. And the way I define responsibility is the ability to respond to life. Mm. And so that is what conscious parenting teaches. And that's the three steps that I teach all of my clients. And what, what I work through and those steps are awareness, right? The awareness that you are reactive and being triggered, 
we have to be aware first before we can change anything. The second step is agency, Mm. which is really understanding that you always have a choice and understanding what those choices are. And the last is taking aligned action. And the aligned action piece, I think, answers the question that you just asked. How do you still move forward, right, when the other person isn't showing up or is being Mm -hmm. difficult or is, you know, triggering you? Well, it's you deciding what is it that I want? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up in any given situation? And then taking actions that are aligned with that, that get you at least one step closer to it versus just reacting and creating more mess to clean up. Mm. Yeah. So let me ask you a specific question to see uh, what, how you would respond if this is like, if clients came to you with this, you know, you have, um, say the mom is very particular with, you know, more of a stricter bedtime, right? Like Mm -hmm. bedtimes. And and when they were married, maybe the husband would be a little bit more loosey goosey on it, but the, but the mom lived in the house. So, right. Like she could be like, okay, they got to go to bed or they, she could drive them home if, if, right. Like if they were somewhere and they're like, okay, like you, we take separate cars if you want to stay later. Right. So now, now you're separated. So now you're seeing that true, you know, difference of kind of like what you said, yes, values, maybe they, the one parent doesn't value them going to bed and getting, getting more sleep. Mm-hmm. And also maybe another thing is feeding your children a certain way. Right. And then the other parent is now letting them eat more junk food and all this kind of stuff and doesn't care about these things. I'm, I'm going to just use like this kind of an example. So it's not diving yeah. so deep into like really um, challenging stuff, but this stuff could push somebody over the edge when they are very particular about it, you know, with their children. And then now someone is kind of just messing all of that up. Right. Um, so now you get the child coming home, right. Who has not slept well and hasn't been eating well. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're not like at their prime. So mm-hmm. how do you handle this? Because now it's almost like I could see how this could feel like not fair. It's like, you're sending a different child back to them. One who's rested, who's been fed mm-hmm. well, Right. And then you're getting a child back that has not been fed well and maybe has stayed up. So how do you deal with this? Because it is going to impact you, but you don't, you don't have control over it. And you also don't like that it's happening to your child. So how do you deal with this without, um, I I don't know, like without it getting into major fights, you know? Yeah. So one of the things that I talk with my clients about is really understanding where your child is positioned at all times in co-parenting. And what I mean by that is your child or children should be the center, right? They are like, they are the sun that all that you guys revolve around, Mm -hmm. not putting your child in the middle, Mm -hmm. which is more of putting them as a pawn. Yeah. What you just described to me, you can Mm -hmm. look at two ways right? You could look at that child coming back who's exhausted and hasn't been eating well. Yeah. And if the child is center in this, right, as the loving mom, you are going to step in with your values, with what you believe, and you are going to love and care for them. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a lot more compassion, right? You're going to, okay, this is, you're going to have a lot more boundaries, I'm guessing, because you want to help them. You Mm -hmm. want to get them back into a place that you feel is better for them. Right. And so you're going to be willing to make hard decisions. You're going to be willing to hold the bedtime when the kids don't like it. I mean, there's nothing worse than Disneyland dad, right? Where they go and they have the greatest time ever. And then they come (laughs) back and, oh my gosh, you're so boring. Right. Yeah. 
Or, or you're so strict, right? Like you're like, or, oh, we have to do this with you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you're coming from it, from yeah. a place of this, these are my values. This mm-hmm. is what is important to me. This is what I believe is best for, for all of our well being. That comes from a very grounded, knowledgeable place mm. versus your kid being in the middle, them coming back, you seeing all of their behavior as another sign of all the things that he's doing wrong or she's doing wrong. Mm-hmm then you are reactive. Then the kid is now the pawn. They're in the middle. We might, you might end up making decisions, you know, sort of bad mouthing the other parent, or I hate when this happens, or Mm. I can't believe he's done this yet again. And you're very short with them. You're frustrated. Maybe you put them to bed in a very harsh manner. Can you see the difference that I'm describing here? Right. Mm -hmm. Of how you come to it. You have zero control what happens in the other parent's house on their parenting time. That is a sad truth. Mm. There's no way around it. We don't ever have control over another human being. Then the sooner that we can learn to accept that and focus on what we do have control over is you, how you run your house, what you believe in, how you care for yourself, how you care for your children, those are all the things you do have control over. But as long as you're focused on what you don't have control over, mm-hmm. you'll stay in a reactive state where you're not making the the decisions that you want to be making consistently. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, even I and I hear you w- with what you're saying and I do still feel like it would be hard for that other parent, but I totally get it. It's like what you can control, so you're just trying to get your child back into the best state that you feel is best for them. Um, even though it, it would be challenging because you want the other parent to do exactly what you would be doing, which, you know, that generally doesn't work very well. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, it's, it's never fun. You know, my son will say to me, well, I'm allowed to do this there. Why am I not allowed right. to do it here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, because you're so strict. Oh, because you're so crazy, whatever. <laughs> okay. You can call me whatever you want. Yeah. That yeah. isn't going to change, but I'm also very clear as to why, mm. right? Like it, as it relates to, um, you know, the, let's just use the phone example okay. or social media. Sure. You know, my son really wants social media, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't understand why he can't have social media. Right. I don't really, I think his dad is kind of like, eh, I could go either way. Luckily his wife now is also sort of more similar to me on this oh, one. Nice. So I feel yeah, like I have an helpful. ally there Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, you know, in with my partner and his ex-wife, you know, things might, there might be some difference in values So it's, you have to understand what you can and what you can't control, but I am coming from a place again of sort of consciousness where I'm aware of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I'm willing to set and hold boundaries in a different way. I can say to my son, you know, I am not allowing you to have social media for X, Y, and Z reasons right? And I will pull up all of the statistics. I will get the latest report out. He asked me the other day and I said, oh, you know, a new report just came out on the bad effects. And he's like, oh my God, mom. (laughs) And I'm like, really, it's everywhere. I can just bring it up for you. So, and we joke about it. He's frustrated, but he also understands that I'm doing what I believe is the right thing to protect him. And I try to just remind him, this isn't about you. It's about protecting you within the world. And that's my job as your mom. Yeah. And so I try very hard. And I think like your fast food example, that's mm-hmm. something I talked to, or you didn't say, you said junk food, but yeah. Yeah. Food you know, that I'm, you prefer than client, not eating. <laughs> yeah. A client recently was saying she was so frustrated because her children had never had McDonald's 
And every time oh. she goes to pick her daughter up, there's a McDonald's bag oh, on the counter. Goodness. Yeah. And it is like a knife to her heart. Yeah. That would be maddening. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, she, it's so frustrating. And this is the part where I think it's so important to have somebody in your corner who has been there. And mm. that's, you know, so have a coach or a mentor or some sort of support system that gets it. Yeah. Not your old aunt Claire, right. Who's yeah. giving you advice, but like someone who actually understands because she can't say necessarily anything to her ex, right? Mm. If she says something, it becomes World War III. Right. So for her, it's really important to, her daughter is really young and can't make any of her own decisions yet. Mm. So there's a point where she has to release and kind of let go. Yeah. And we work on internally what's going on for her and why she's being triggered in that way, because it's actually a wound within her that mm. we need to deal with. Mm -hmm. And- also, who is she being as an example to her daughter? Mm. Right. And so she can also, maybe, it, maybe you would think it's manipulative, maybe not, but you know, she can also send snacks. She can also say, you know, we had this for dinner last night and she really enjoyed it. Or this is a really easy meal to do that she really likes, mm. but also releasing, not saying it in a way to try to get someone to do something, but this is what I believe is working really well. And I just wanted to share this with you, right? Yeah. Or maybe bedtime is changing. You know, the kids are constantly changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. So the more that we can say, you know, hey, she hasn't really been sleeping the last couple of nights. Um, I've been trying this, you know, just wanted to give you a heads up. That kind of collaborativeness, even with someone who is difficult, I like to think of it's like being an influencer. You can't change them, but you can try to influence in a positive direction. And you do right. that with how you're showing up with your behavior, with your words and with your actions. Mm. And so we just have to stay focused on what you can do and learn how to love and care for yourself so that you can let go of what you can't, because yeah. otherwise you're just dragging it with you and you oh, end yeah. up with so much baggage, right? You're the one mm -hmm. that's weighed down. Yes. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, you were talking about social media and I didn't even think about that, you know, with two different parents having different thoughts on that. Now, something like that, which I feel is a pretty big deal. How do you even, how do you even balance that out? Then if your child is going to one house and is on social media and then at your house, they're not, you know, uh, mm -hmm. what, what is the solution to that to, I don't know. I, I feel like that would be so hard to not lose your mind and go off on the other parent. So any yeah, thoughts on that? <laughs> it's really tricky. It's really yeah. tricky. And I don't, you know, we are in the midst of navigating these things. So mm. I certainly, you know, maybe in 10 years we'll have a, a better perspective. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. You know, I can say that, you know, the phone thing, I was in the camp of, you know, sort of wait till eighth grade for a mm -hmm. phone. Yeah. Um, nobody liked this except for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. And my, one of my oldest bonus sons received mm -hmm. a phone, um, mm -hmm. when he turned 11 mm -hmm. and so that then turned into uh, down the road, a couple months, you know, my son saying, well, mm. if he can have it, why can't I right. have it? Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you must not trust me. Mm. And Oh, so goodness. it went to, I see. it went to that degree where I was like, and I had to really stop and I had to have a little heart to heart with myself. Yeah. What am I holding on to here? 
Mm. And what are really my values? Mm -hmm. And so, and that's where I start with all my clients, setting Mm. your vision and your values, because those create sort of like your lighthouse Mm. to always go towards. And there was a part of me that was fighting against what had happened, right? I didn't allow the the other boy to bring the phone to our house. So he Mm. had to leave it at his mom's, right? There were all of these things that were actually for me causing a lot of internal conflict, Mm. which is a red flag that I'm not clear, right? That I'm in reaction. So I had to do a lot of internal work on what's going on. What are my values? What do I really believe? And I, I didn't want my son to make it about him, Mm. but that's what was happening. And so I went to, um, his dad and we sat down and discussed it. And we decided that for his birthday, or I think it was for Christmas. So Mm -hmm. he waited like six months. Mm -hmm. We did give him a phone. Um, but we wrote a contract and we set parameters and we did all the things to help us feel better about it. Right. And also sort of be present to what was happening, what was Mm. true. And I think that's the thing, because we all have these expectations of what should be happening. Right. And then we have what reality is. Mm. And it's the difference between them that really causes our suffering. Yeah. And so I had to re I had to readjust my expectations mm. to what my new reality was. And, yeah. you know, that was work for me to do as the mom. It had nothing to do with anybody else. It had a hundred percent to do with with me. And that's why I always love um, Dr. Shafali, she says that parenting is about the parent. If it were mm. about the child, it would be called childing. It is yeah. not. It is yeah. about the parent. And so we really have to be clear on what's true for mm. us. That is and a good so, point. Yeah. I think when it comes to any of those things, you are, you are the adult in your home. Right. So you get to decide what, how you're, what the rules are going to be, how you're going to structure it, how the day is going to run. Right. But I just would urge you married, separated, divorced, whatever it is, be working from a place that's aligned with what you want in your life, what you want to create more of and who you want to be versus reacting to what's going on in someone else's home. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So I wanted to ask you, um, about we, you've talked about, uh, partners and, um, or mm-hmm. spouse is kind of like your ex's wife is kind of on the same page with you on the social media, which is nice. So what does that look like for people when they're trying to navigate, you know, introducing new people into the picture and, and relationships, what is probably the biggest battle or not even that, like, what do you feel like people do that you're kind of like, Oh, if I could just all guide everybody to start this way, this would be like the most ideal. Um, what is it that people do that you're kind of like, I wish they would, um, just kind of rethink about how they did this. Yeah. I think that, you know, with hindsight being 2020, mm-hmm. uh, in my own life and it's, and certainly what I see with my clients is, you know, a lot of times people again are not healing. They're mm. not doing the work afterwards. And so they tend to jump into relationship. Um, when you jump into relationship and introduce people to your children too soon, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. It's difficult on everyone. And so I think the one thing I would say is really spend some time developing the relationship with yourself. Like just commit to dating yourself for a year after divorce, Mm. allow yourself the time to heal, 
to calm down, to, to even become sort of aware and present mm. to what's true Yeah, because there is, I was just reading a study, you know, getting divorced is as stressful as it gets mm. right yeah. in life, you right. know, certainly death or war thing, abuse, things like that. But divorce is an incredibly stressful time. And so there is a space and that's needed for healing afterwards. So when you're thinking about, I understand not wanting to be alone. I understand the loneliness that comes with it and wanting a new relationship, but that new relationship isn't going to fix anything. And it's not going to make things better unless it's coming from a place of true alignment mm. and, um, you know, really again, being responsible in your life. And so I think the one thing I wish that everyone would just agree to is mm -hmm. to not bring other people around their children. Mm. Um, unfortunately it happens too often. Yeah. And, um, so I do help a lot of my clients navigate. What do I do when there is a revolving door of women, you know, in and oh, out of the other house wow. or, yeah. you know, when is it too soon to mm. introduce them to this person that I'm dating? Right. Um, and so there's all of those kinds of things. And that is really, it's very unique to each situation, but rule of thumb, unless you are planning to spend your life with this person, I don't mm -hmm. think they're ready to meet your children. Mm. So and there's we, always the argument, well, yeah. I want to make sure that my kids really like him. Right. You know what? Your kids will be happy with a happy mom. Yeah. I Right. So say like, so say if somebody's dating um, someone and it doesn't fall in that year. Well, so are you saying that like, would you recommend people date almost a year? Um or how long would you say you're saying start, don't start dating until after your year you've been divorced, but like, say you're dating somebody, what do you feel like is the minimum that people should be waiting? Or are you just saying like, if you don't feel like you were going to like marry them and be with them long-term, then you probably shouldn't even be introducing them. Like what is, what is your thoughts on that? I just, yeah, I think it's really that idea of putting your kids in the center. Okay. Yeah. And are you confident that this person is a, somebody that you, that you want around them, mm -hmm. um, and that they're going to be around them long-term because, you know, unfortunately our kids are watching us to understand what love and relationship looks like. And so, you know, they've had kids of divorce have already a lot of loss in their life. Yeah. And, I think it's really understanding as much as you might want a relationship, also not wanting to add more loss to your children's life. Right. Especially if they get attached to the person and do really like mm. them and then it ends. Right. That's hard for them. Yeah. And so I think when we can make it as kids centered as possible, there's no time period. There's no like, you know, wait this many months or anything like that. Everybody is different. But what I would say is after you get divorced, just give yourself some space and time to heal, to discover what is it that you even want? Who are you post-divorce? Mm, yeah. Um, what do you want your life to look like? Who do you want to be as a mom? Who do you want to be as a co-parent? Like these are all big things that you need time and space to work through. 
And I think a lot of times it's like everything else. We can kind of put a bandaid on it or pay attention to something else and just think that we're doing the work. But my argument is really do the work. And that's why I'm so grateful to be able to work with clients so that they are doing that healing work and they're learning how to be responsive so that they're making these decisions that are aligned with who they want to be, not a reaction to what's happened in the past. Yeah. I love that. So like you were talking about the revolving door, which just makes me cringe thinking about that. Um, Mm -hmm. but say somebody does like introduce their child to their girlfriend, whatever, really Mm -hmm. fast, you know, um, and you can't do anything about it. I mean, what is the best way for you to cope as the person dealing with that? Because you know that you wouldn't have done that to your child, but you can't control the other person doing it. And Mm -hmm. now there's a new person. And I mean, I can only imagine too, especially if that's all fresh, it's like now there's another woman and it's been five seconds and you wouldn't have done that even, you know what I mean? Even in your situation. So there's like so many things going on, so many layers. It's like, I don't Mm -hmm. even know how you manage your mind with that. So what is the thing that you recommend to you know, your clients that do struggle with this and and feel like they have absolutely no control and are quite mad because this is not how they would have handled it. Yeah. So again, keeping it as child centered as you possibly can, because, um, you don't want your children to see you processing any of that. Mm. But I, I think this is where doing deciding in advance is really, really helpful. So I'll just speak from my experience. Sure. I was aware that someone was going to be in the picture and Mm. I knew it was just a matter of time. Okay. Um, was I excited about it? No, of course not. Right. Right. But I also decided in advance that I knew that this was going to happen. Sure. And so how did I want to be when it did? Who did I want to be as this co-parent, as this, Mm. you know, sort of the ex-wife, all of the things that was within my control. And I get to, I got to decide that. Mm. And so I decided in advance that I was going to love this person, whoever she was. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I was going to choose love, meaning she was another person in my son's life to love him. Mm. And I was going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I was going to believe that my ex had the best of intentions. You know, I do believe that we're all doing the best that we can with what we have in any given moment, Mm. even when that looks really, really bad. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah, we are all doing our best. And so I had to really double down on those values Mm. and double down on those beliefs and basically just tried them on. And I remember the first time my son said her name Mm. and we were walking yeah. home from getting ice cream and I had just picked him up. And, yeah. you know, so I was asking him like, how was your weekend with dad? And, you know, I, I never try to get too much in the sure. questions, like yeah. not too many details, but I do like, I want my son to always feel comfortable talking to me about sure. whatever it is. Yeah. So I'll right. ask questions. So I said, you know, how was your weekend? Oh, it was great. We had, he was only like four, four mm. or five at the time. Oh, yeah. And so we were walking down the street and he was eating his little ice cream. And he told me that, he met someone at the picnic Mm. and it was her. Yeah. And I started ferociously eating my ice cream. (laughs) I had never had ice cream before and listening. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Like trying to not really engage in too many questions, but ask questions and just guzzled my ice cream. Like I had never had it. And so I, I mean, I still remember it and I have chills right now thinking about it as we were walking down the street Mm. 
But I had already decided that I was going to choose. This is who I was going to be. And this is what I was going to believe. And so this was my opportunity to show up and to take the first step towards that. Mm. And so it's like a little moment, but it was an important step for me to say, like, I can do this. Yeah. I can be okay in front of my son and process what's going on internally for me. Yeah. And I think that the only way to do that is when we are present, when we're calm, when we're grounded and when we're deciding, right. When we are being responsive versus really just reacting to whatever is happening. Do you feel like you can achieve so much in life, but your weight loss? Maybe you feel like you're stuck and you want to leave counting calories and dieting behind, or maybe you find yourself spending so much energy thinking about how to lose weight, what to eat, and even can you keep this off if you get to goal? I know for me, that was the case before 2019 when I lost over 50 pounds and I kept it off. And I want to help you lose weight the way that I did it. I want to help you figure out why is the weight a symptom for something else going on in your life? Because did you know that the weight gain is not usually based off of hunger issues? It's usually because you're not fulfilled in other areas of your life. So we go for food because it's a quick dopamine hit or a quick fix. So if you want to figure out how to live life without worrying about going to a party or going on vacation or staying at other people's homes without gaining weight, then this session is for you. How it works is you jump on a 30 minute coaching session with me. We come up with a plan right then and there so you can implement it the moment we get off our Zoom call. If you decide that you want to work that plan with me and have that weekly accountability for several months and dive deep to figure out what is really holding you back, we can do that too. But there is no pressure to do that. If you just want to jump on and chat with me and get your plan, that is a-okay. These mini coaching sessions are my way to give back to you guys. So I hope you take advantage of it. So if you're interested in more details, you can DM me at Living. Or if you know this is something you really have been wanting to do, but you've just been sitting on the fence, go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash coaching and grab a day and time that works for you. If you can't find a day or time that works for you, you can email me at amber at mominspiredshow.com or message me at mominspiredliving, whatever works best for you. This will all be in the show notes so that if you forget what I just said, go to the show notes and you'll get all that information. I can't wait to chat. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, no, that is really great. And I think that's really good for people because, you know, people are going to run into this. And so I think what you said and coming from that place, controlling that about yourself, like how you want to show up, even if that's still hard, because it's not easy, you know, even with you having these great intentions that you're going to love this person, you just like chow down your ice cream. I mean, you know, (laughs) so obviously it's like you have like your brain that you're kind of like, you know, you're like, okay, this is what I would love for my brain to think. And then you obviously have your habit brain where it's like, protect yourself. Are you meeting the ice cream? Cause you're like trying to not say anything. And so, um, I think that's good to point out that even when you have the best of intentions, it's still going to be challenging and that, Absolutely. you know, you just keep working at it. Um, so I, I love that because that is the thing that you can control. And I think mm-hmm. that's the challenging part because other than a parent abusing their child, you can't have the parent change no. like certain things, right? Like you, even though you're like, I don't agree with this. It's like the court isn't going to say, Oh, unless they're abusive that they could, these people can't be in your life or they can't take them to McDonald's or whatever. Right. So it's, it is truly that you have to start working on yourself, your thoughts. What are you making it? Because otherwise you'll be that person who's going insane 
and everybody else will go on enjoying their life and you'll be just mad. And, uh, go ahead. Were you gonna say something? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Absolutely. And I think what you just pointed out, right. Is that we can't control the other person, but we are constantly co-creating every moment, every relationship. Yeah. So part of it is, yeah, you can be very upset with the other person, but you also at the same time have to look at how am I co-creating this? Mm. Right. Am I, what part am I in this? How am I contributing or how am I stopping? Am I fueling the fire or am I trying to put it out? Right. And that's where I think many of us have to take a long, honest look in the mirror, um, especially post-divorce and, and even when you're in difficult times in any relationship, what part of this am I contributing to? And if there is a part that I can clean up, am I willing to do that? Yeah. Because if Mm -hmm. we are showing up in a more clear, calm and Mm -hmm. confident way, it's not going to continue to add fuel to the fire. It just doesn't. The other person can still have all of their drama and shenanigans, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to make it bigger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So Mickey, we're at the end of the show. Is there anything else that you would like to add or anything that you, that popped up there, you wanted to talk about as we were talking? No, I just, I think, (laughs) no, I think we hit a lot of, a lot of points and I'm really, I love the way that the conversation went. It's really just, I I guess if there's anything, it's, you're far more powerful than you believe. Mm, And you already have everything you need already inside of you. Yeah, It's learning how to trust yourself and uncover all of the layers so that you can be the highest, most beautiful version of you. I love that. And so I would just really work on doing that and trusting you. I love that. Yeah. Which goes back to your original, what would you tell your younger self? trusting yeah. in yourself that you have the answer. So there we go. We just did a full circle right there. <laughs> um, okay. So Mickey, I'm going to put your stuff in the show notes so that people can check you out there. Um, I am so appreciative of you coming on the show today. It was so great talking with you. It was so great talking with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more on how to work with me, go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash coaching. See you there.